0: the open source creative podcast episode 39 how i write with open source tools this is the open source creative podcast a podcast where i ramble on about creativity process and open source software during my work commute i'm jason van gumster your host and driver i've been overdue for a workflow show so the last one i think i did was back in episode 29 A whole 10 episodes ago the 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 making of a podcast i i really liked giving a the detailed walkthrough on the process i use for for bringing this show to you and you guys seem to like it as well so i i figured i'd repeat the same thing again but with how i manage my writing again this is of course using all free and open source software and it's it's the way that i work so uh, there's there's that bias as well um proprietary workflows tend to use one maybe two applications and those applications are these these monolithic comprehensive beasts that try to do everything for you uh with with my writing i I prefer to take a much more disjointed way of working traversing through like a a wide range of different programs each one specializing in one particular facet of the workflow and so that's that's what the show is it's it's a it's a how i work show and it's it's dedicated to writing this time of course, my, my process isn't perfect. I, I point out a couple different ways that it could be improved. Some of that may require me to do some writing, software development writing of my own tools. Uh, feel free to write those tools for me if you like. But but in, in any case, uh, give the show a listen and let me know what you think. Maybe there's a tool out there that I've never heard of that solves all my problems. Or maybe my approach could use some refinements. Whatever the case may be, I hope that there's something in the show that you could take advantage of for your own writing projects. All right. Let's do this thing. Oh, we're going to toast marshmallows, are we? Could be. Well, hey, folks. Nope, that's not a good opening either. Oh, well. <laughs> one day. I keep saying that. Every time I say that, and every time I doubt myself. But for first, first, first things first, uh, if, it, if it sounds a little bit more windy in this episode, it's because it's freaking hot outside and my air conditioner is running, and so the AC... Wind blowing by it might get caught up by the microphone. I don't know if it will, but I uh, I figure I would give you fair warning in advance and apologize uh, at this point before going any further. Because well, because it's hot, AC will likely be running for the rest of the show. So hopefully you're not bothered by that. In any case, I figure I, I figured I'd take a break this week from what's been my trend for the last couple episodes and and lay off on the the opinion pieces and get into something more practical, get into something more 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 applicable, and talk about some workflow stuff. And this particular, like, sort of like I did before a few episodes back, talking about how I do podcasting. I think I want to do the same thing, and in this case, I want to talk about how I write using nothing but open-source tools. Well same with nothing in there. This feels kind of wrong. How I write using exclusively open-source tools. How's that? Does that sound better? I'm going to say yes. <laughs> in any case, so I'm going, to, I'm going to try to take you from from... Bearing in mind, this is how I write. And I'll put in some tips and pointers as to how other workflows, other applications people might use, um, and other things y- you may want to explore and do. But this this is what I have found works for me, both in the in the fiction and in the nonfiction spaces. And I'll tell you where there are exceptions to that. And actually the the beginning is is one of those places where there are exceptions. If I'm if I'm oftentimes if I'm if I'm writing a nonfiction thing, like an article or or even a, a longer sort of book type thing that's that's on the non-fiction instructional side of things I might just for an article I might just jump right on into it or at least put down you know put down bullets as my main headings and then fill in the blanks from there kind of minor outlining kind of things not so much of an outline but just sort of going in with the, with a structure in my head and then then sort of filling in the rest but for especially but for for fiction and 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 for, for much more longer pieces I do tend to have some form of structure and what I like to do for for my structure is I like to use a mind map. I, I think I've talked about this in other other episodes and whatnot, but I, I I'm a big fan of mind maps. And because because outlining for me is, is, is too structural, is too planned out and it does it doesn't capture all of the things around what I'm thinking about when I'm writing and so mind maps are really good for that you can have little sort of mental side tangents that you keep keep track of and you can document as as, as a reference and still have some other form of, of a more linear structure that you can follow for the actual story part and I use free mind but that's I, I use free mind mostly because there's as far as I can tell, there's there's nothing much better, and that's one of the things I, I, I really wish that there was a a better mind mapping tool that I could that I could play with. And when I say better, I mean more responsive and and with a couple extra features. FreeMind doesn't get a lot of development these days. This development process pretty much uh, plateaued. And while it does a lot, what it, while it does a lot, it's still you know it's it's a Java application written largely with, with the you know, sort of Java windowing kit and and feels a little bit dated and it's a little bit sluggish to start up and and the file format's fantastic and and you can do a lot with it, uh, including one of the really nice things about using a mind map and in particular using FreeMind for your mind map is that for each node in the mind map, you can link that node to any other file on your hard drive or any other URL on the web. So if you have reference photographs online or reference images on your hard drive, or you even wanna refer to, like if you're writing a chapter-based story and you have your outline mapped out on on the mind map, you can have each node point to the document that has that chapter, which is really, really excellent and really useful. You can actually use the mind map as a dashboard for for the way that you write. You can sort of go in, uh, sort of go into FreeMind, find uh, the node that you that you want to work on, click on it, follow the link to the actual file or document that you're working on, and get started working right there. It's 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 kind of an awesome workflow if it weren't for the fact that, that FreeMind itself is is a little bit, it feels dated as an application. Um, so it, having a, a, a good modern mind mapping tool would be, if anyone else knows of one out there, I would love to try it out. Uh, in the meantime, FreeMind is it for me, and, and again, it it suffices, it just would be, it'd be nice if there were some, some other options to play with and test out. And I, I'm already aware of the the FreeMind fork, and I can't even remember what it's called, and there I mean there the changes between man I wish I remember the name of that fork the, the problem is the changes between the fork and freemind itself are while while they're important on on in, on some things from an overall user interface and 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 addressing the things that I'm particularly concerned about there's there's not a lot of different free plane that's what this free plane is is the freemind fork and Freeplane is great too, but again, it suffers, for, for me at least, it suffers from the same problems FreeMind does in terms of performance and and being kind of a, a dated application. So regardless, I'm still using mind maps, and I still like to use FreeMind for, for doing that. And that gets me in my structure. If I'm doing fiction stuff that requires a lot of world building, I like to build the world in, in, in FreeMind and sort of just sort of take whatever's in my head and and note off and let those relationships chain together and I can link other one I can discover other relationships and it comes it actually becomes a live document while you're working because you can always refer back to it and again like if you use it as a dashboard you can you can update it as the story changes or as as you discover stuff about the story and and those sort of things and that's it's one of the things I really like about that workflow then when it gets to the actual writing and I've mentioned this before I used to write in well a long time ago. I wrote in OpenOffice, and then I converted over to LibreOffice, and LibreOffice. And then when I started really, really, uh, I ran into LibreOffice is great, but it's not ubiquitous in terms of I can't write on write in LibreOffice everywhere, like on my phone, and I've got tired of waiting for. Uh, the mobile version, uh, a mobile version of LibreOffice. I don't want to work with with cloud-based applications like Google Docs. I might work with, if I self-hosted like Etherpad or whatever, I could maybe work with that, but I still I like having I like having files. I like having my files. And I like being able to manage and control that myself. So, and then the problem is that getting while you can get a difference between two files and a difference between versions in LibreOffice, like connecting that functionality to mercurial or git or any in your whatever your version control thing is that that's not it it doesn't there's not good handshaking there's no there's no command line way of launching libreoffice with two files let alone two versions of the same file to 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 see the diff between them and i think that's a shortcoming and and it's really unfortunate so what i've done since then is i've migrated to writing i write pretty much exclusively now in markdown um if you're not familiar with Markdown, Markdown is a very simple plain text syntax. It's a markup language, but it's very simple. That that you can convert it, damn near anything actually. And so, I like, and you put asterisks, you put an asterisk around each side of a word, and that becomes an italicized word. Double asterisks means a bold word. Triple asterisks means bold and italics. Uh, you put two two carriage returns after after a line, and that becomes a paragraph. It, it's it makes a lot of sense, and the big bonus for this is that I can write Markdown anywhere. Now, if, if you're just getting started with Markdown, I would recommend using a, an actual dedicated Markdown editor. Like, uh, there's a really cool one called Remarkable. I believe Harupad is also a really good one. Or you could you could use the Atom editor, and it has the ability to, to preview your Markdown from within the Atom editor, which is really nice. Now, once you get familiar and comfortable writing in Markdown, you you don't need to have that preview as much, and so you can write in more traditional text editor tools like Atom, like Vim, like Emacs, or Notepad if you're in the Windows world. I like to have a little bit of syntax highlighting though, so uh, I, I write, I've been writing in Vim for a long time with a couple different plugins that that help with writing, but Vim has been my been my, my writing tool of choice, of late, and, and editing Tulip especially, but I'll get to that in a, in a bit. But Vim is really great for 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 me for writing because not only can I write with that on on my home desktop computer or on a laptop, but with Termux on my phone, Termux is uh, basically a terminal application that work that that works with an Android. But it also, because it's a terminal application, you can install install applications with apt as if you would on a on a Debian or Ubuntu system. So I have Vim running on in Termux on my phone. Plus, I also have Mercurial running in Termux on my phone because I version control all of my writing using Mercurial. And that's the other advantage of running in a plain text format li- with with simple syntax like Markdown is that it really really helps with versioning. The other thing that's that bothered me for a little bit of trying to get a diff between two markdown files is that Mercurial and Git and, and most versioning, version control systems, they, they do diffs on a line by line basis. But if you have your a, a, a paragraph count as an entire line and you only change one word, it's kind of difficult to tell which word got changed. Well, fortunately, you can use w, uh, w diff which is a, a word word-based diff, and you can map that to be used within Mercurial so that I can actually, at the command line, I can do HGW diff at this point, And it will give me a color highlighted version of my diff where it shows if there are two paragraphs and one word is changed in there. That one word will be highlighted in red. And it's really, really useful. For, for especially if you're looking at revisions and, and once you get into the the editing routine and the revision routine, version control is really beneficial for that, knowing where you were and what you changed, especially if you're working in branches and, and those sorts of things. So, but yeah, when I get to writing, whether it's whether it's fiction, whether it's articles, whether it's long-form non-fiction, all of that's being done in Mercurial now. And ver- oh, sorry, all of that's being done in in plain text Markdown syntax and version with Mercurial. And Basically, I can write anywhere, and I sync with my home machine, my home computer. I, I have a SSH tunnel that I connect to it with Mercurial, and so I do uh, my versioning that way. And, and so I, I always have access to my files, and I have all, and it's always versioned, and I can always work on the latest version of it. And it's it's a workflow that works really, really well for me, and I really enjoy it. Now, I mentioned editing. When I get to the editing part. That's where things change just a little bit, because oftentimes, if I'm editing for myself, staying within Vim to, to do my editing is fantastic. And I actually really, really enjoy doing that, especially when I start getting into a little little bits of formatting and and breaking things up into chapters or, or those sorts of things. Vim is fantastic for that. If I need to indent a whole series of, of things or, or or blocks of ch- text or whatever, Vim is fantastic for, for those kinds of adjustments. And I really, really enjoy working with that. But the downside is that I'm always, you know, I do have people that I collaborate with. I, like I'll, send, I'll send documents to, to people for, for beta reading or for, um, for feedback, and critique, and it, that, that sort of thing. And the sad truth is that most people aren't as fluent in Markdown. Even as simple as Markdown is, most people aren't as fluent in it as, 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 as I am writing in it. And so they like to see it formatted. They like to see it in that finished version. So what I'll do is I will convert it. And Markdown converts to all sorts of formats very easily using a handy-dandy little uh, command line utility called Pandoc. Now when you install Pandoc, you might notice that, uh, at least on our clinics, it used to be you'd have to install pretty much the whole Haskell suite, but I I don't think you have to do that anymore. In any case, Pandoc is a fantastic little utility that will will convert uh, text documents from one format to another. So oftentimes what I'll do is I will take my markdown master that I've been writing in, that I've been versioning, I'll convert that to a ODT file, an open document file that can be opened in LibreOffice and then from there if I need to make any minor uh, um, formatting changes or whatever I'll do that, footers or headers or, or those sort of things and then I'll use LibreOffice to convert to a doc or a pdf and send on to to somebody for, for editing or, or review or writing group or, or those sorts of things. Now, you might wonder why I don't just go straight to doc or docx through pandoc. And I've just found that pandoc works nicer, for me at least, going to an ODT file and then making minor changes within LibreOffice. The result. Now, if I was going straight to a, an EPUB or going straight to a PDF, pandoc work perfectly fine for that. And I've, I've done that multiple times as well. But if I'm gonna go through, and a lot of people like to get if they're going to give feedback, a lot of people like to get. Usually, it's a doc, docx, or PDF. Like I said, if I'm going to PDF, I'll, I'll, I can do that straight in Pandoc. But if it's going to be through something that's going to be a Word format or whatever, I'm going to route that through LibreOffice because that tends to tends to give a little bit nicer formatting. Um, I'm sure there are some things I can do to to tweak Pandoc to to behave the way I want it to, but I just I haven't gotten to that point with it at, at this thing. It just, it's a fast knockout sort of deal. Now, one of the things I, I want to investigate doing more is actually using make files like you use for compiling software, using make files to, to build and compile my, my, my pieces. Like, my, like for my long form fiction, it'd be really nice to, to do essentially like a, like, a, like a compile on my markdown files and build an EPUB from all those component files. And using a make file is actually a pretty straightforward way of doing it. I just I just haven't done it at this point. Um, because that's, at this point, it's not something that I, I do on a regular basis that I would need to constantly recompile on a, on a speedy basis. But I got a feeling that in the future, as, as, as I finish more things and start releasing more of my writing, and I need to make minor adjustments to the front matter or the back matter of a book or a whole suite of books, then having a make file that manages all that uh, having all that managed and, and redoable via make would be really beneficial. So that's one of the little side projects that I'll I'll probably be giving myself in the future. But so I'll get my I'll, I'll, I'll do my conversion to send out for feedback and, and get edits, and then that comes back to me and I'll reconcile those notes. And from there I can I can I can basically take whatever format they give it back to me and be a word. Uh, or be it a Word doc or a PDF or whatever I sent them, they usually give it back to me. Even they scribble it by hand and print it out to me. I can take that, I'll, re- I'll reconcile those, I'll, recon- reconcile? I'll reconcile those notes with my, my master markdown file that I've been writing in. And again, version bump it uh, as, I, as I keep working. And I should mention that a really nice thing to do is as, as you're writing, if you, if you come up to a point in the story and you're like, well, I could, the character could do this, or, or my character could do that, and I don't know which one is going to work. You, this is where do, using version control and branches is phenomenal, right? Because I can actually make a branch for my story, follow that rabbit trail down however far it's going to go, and if I like it, I can merge that branch back in with the, with the master. Or if I don't like it, I can just drop that branch, go back to the default branch, and keep traveling forward with, with, with another story possibility. It's very easy to, to prevent yourself from painting yourself into a corner when you, when you sort of, you're writing with a bit of self-awareness, then right, well, I'm, I'm branching the story here because there's some, some possibilities of what could happen. I don't know which way to go. If you're, if you're a pantser, if you kind of write by the seat of your pants and don't use a very fastidious outline, that's a very, very helpful way of working. In any case, I get these revisions back and then this is when I have to put together my, my final deliverable, right? So I, I reconcile any notes, and and put that all together, and then depends on what the deliverable is, right? So if it's going to be a, a digital deliverable like a, like a EPUB, then that's where Pandoc comes in for the most part, right? So I I can take my my Markdown files, kick out an EPUB file, and essentially I'm I'm with a couple extra command line attributes on there i'm i'm basically done slap on the, the uh the cover image the front matter back matter sequence it all together and and pandoc will kick out a a, a reasonably viable epub of course me being someone who's, who's somewhat visually inclined i like to do some some inner book formatting things so i'll often take that result and i'll pull it into sigil uh that's s-i-g-l it's an, e, it's an epub editor right and sigil's basic i mean epub the the electronic ebook formats are basically trimmed down versions of html and that's what sigil sigil maintains a lot of that metadata and does the html part of it and so what i'll do there is i'll, I'll go through and i'll do any sort of style changes and updates that i want to do on my own uh you could also use caliber caliber is a fantastic little tool for the that does conversions, but I'll get to that in a, in a second. Because that's, Calibre is meant as a, primarily as a, as a ebook library manager, but, but it's it's grown to be a very good conversion tool for, for all sorts of things. And so oftentimes what I'll do is I'll validate or convert through through Calibre, and I'll do a little bit of bouncing back and forth between Calibre and Sigil to, to get the formatting to, to, to look the way I want. Because Calibre will also give you a really nice preview for different devices of what what the book might look like which is useful because epubs are are not unlike web pages and that that sort of cross browser compatibility headache that you get with 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 website design you see it on a slightly smaller scale in in the epub world and so you want to be able to test this on multiple devices. If you can do it virtually, great. Otherwise it's still a good idea to, so eventually it's a good idea to load those on the physical devices and see it there to make sure everything behaves properly. So that's the the digital distributable side of it. So once, you know, basically that workflow again is marked down through Pandoc to Sigil and Caliber to to get the EPUB file that I want. And then ultimately I can also convert that to Mobi if I really wanted to for, for Amazon. But Amazon accepts EPUB and most of the time the formatting doesn't get too jacked up when you when you put an epub to them so that's that works out reasonably well now on the print side of things i do my layout my my interior layouts if i'm doing doing like a print book i'll do my interior layouts with scribus scribus will work really well for let me rephrase that scribus will work well for long format books it actually doesn't do too horribly the text editing is a little bit eh, Right there, there's 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 some of the text entry parts I've 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 had problems with in the past, but it's gotten a bit better. And you can have two different routes of input. You can actually, I believe, there's a plugin now for Scribus that'll that'll basically read in Markdown and do the formatting for you, and 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 that works nice. What I've had to do in the past is take my Markdown content, convert it to a an ODT file, my my Open Document file, and then pull that into Scribus with all the formatting and, and everything properly set up it, it's it's a um, that, that interchange the, the and that's an episode I have to give later on about interchange formats not just for writing but for all sorts of things open interchange in a, like open file formats for, for for work interchanges is is an important thing and even even some open source programs have, have some issues doing that but with, with Scribus if you're going to print scribus works fantastically especially if you're not if if it's a for fiction it's particularly easy because you're mostly dealing with text there and it's just interior formatting maintaining consistent look and if you're if you have a mind for design it's or and if you've worked with 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 layout programs like uh the proprietary equivalents would be like InDesign or or quark back in the day uh scribus holds its own pretty well for that when you start getting into Tables and heavy graphics, Scribus, t- Scribus tends to get a little bit choky, but but it's still it's still manageable, and Scribus will do really well for your for your your print setting, your your sort of your typesetting and and getting your your interior layout all all happy and nicely formatted, and it will kick out a beautiful print ready PDF that you can you know that's where you send that to CreateSpace or Ingram Spark or or uh, your local printer if you feel like it, and and that's where you'll get your your print book knocked out. And again, because I I I, I tend to have a, a visual ba- visual arts background, and mine I, I I will do the interior design and layout on my own, partially because I actually enjoy doing that stuff, but partially because I'm 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 a control freak for 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 the look of my own stuff. So you know that's that's how that, that's how that goes. And then once you get to the deliverable part, once you have those files, once you have your your PDF. To send out or your EPUB file. I mean, the entire thing from from soup to nuts here has been with purely open source tools, right? You're, that's from the the concept work to the writing to the version control to converting for final output. That can all be done very easily with with open source tools. Now, you know, you see people who are who are using proprietary tools. Like most writers that I know are are sort of married to working in Scrivener. And there's nothing wrong with Scrivener. Scrivener has, has some really nice nice, nice, some really nice features built into it, but people also have difficulty with the learning curve for that. I mean, what's, from a Markdown, pers- from a writing perspective with Markdown, what's easier than writing in plain text in any program you want and then being able to convert that to anything else you want it's it's really kind of nice I mean the only the only thing that's a, that might be a little bit of a worrisome element for some people might be the the conversion step using pandoc because pandoc is a, uh, it's a, it's a it's a command line utility right you have to type in the command line stuff but from my perspective if I if I do my little project to to get book compilation to be handled with make files then I can do I can do that you'll never have to do that conversion step. You can you can do that um, from the command line. You'll never have to do that conversion step from the command line. You can do that conversion step from within the editor because just like with software development, you can compile from within, within Emacs, from within Vim, uh, from within Atom, right? From within most, most modern text editors that are used for, for software development can easily, very easily, Have a hotkey bound to to compiling, and instead of running GCC, you're just running Pandoc, and it should work fantastically. So, like I said, that's my that's one of the little side projects that I'm looking to, to to give myself in the future, because I think that with that little step, you have essentially all of the tools that are available to you in a tool like Scrivener. But there there are multiple different different tools and. Sort of following the the kind of the Unix philosophy of have have a single tool that does one thing really well. I think I think that 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 suits it right. We don't have same we don't have a, a single monolithic tool to to do the writing thing. We 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 have our choices of a lot of tools and and they can all talk together because of a of a common interchange format. In this case, it'd be Markdown. Now, of course, if you want to use a singular tool, there are there are applications out there that will let you do that. I believe there's. Two of them and I haven't really used them for my own writing yet, but one of them is Plume Creator, which the whole purpose of Plume Creator is to, to be sort of an open source scrivener, if I if I understand it right. And there's another one called Bibisco, which there's a nice article on that over on opensource.com. Uh I'll see if I can make a link to that in the show in the show notes. But those two are, are those are more comprehensive all-in-one writing applications not unlike Scrivener or, or the, the liberal office, or Microsoft office suite of, of tools kind of uh, for writing. And there used to be Celtics, but Celtics went all cloud and closed source. And I don't, I can't recommend that. I can't recommend them anymore. Uh, even if they, they were more on the screenwriting set, uh, they, they had features for, for more prose writing, fiction and nonfiction, mostly on the fiction side of things. But I, at this point I can't, I personally can't recommend Celtics anymore so there's there's that so there's there's there that's that's the workflow it's complete the only time you ever end up working with with having to deal with with proprietary pipeline stuff is when you're interfacing with other people you know they can they can if if they're they're married to the doc format for instance then you you have to convert to doc to send to them but that doesn't really hurt the way you work you can still send and receive doc files you're going to be working in, in your markdown master uh, and that that's perfectly fine. And when you get to your deliverable, PDF is, I'll say, mostly open, right? It's 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 an open specification, but there's some stuff with it, and it's it's essentially ubiquitous now when it comes to print. Um, so so PDF is, is kind of is is a good way to go there for print. And most print print shops and and print on demand shops, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for a, a properly formatted PDF. And so Scribus can provide that for you. And when it comes to the ebook side, EPUB open format for perfectly. All right. If you feel compelled to convert to Moby for, for Amazon, you can do that, but you don't have to. So yeah, that's, that's, that's the skinny on how I write. And, and it's a workflow, like I said, that, that, that I have found that works for me and I'm, I'm still working on refining bits of it. Right. If I, if I can find a a more modern means of, of working with uh, a mind map. Now, the, the 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 caveat on the mind map thing is that I I would like it to read the free mind mind map file format but I would just like the interface to be more modern, less old school Java, <laughs> and less sluggish. Right. That's that's a personal wish of mine. And I've, I've toyed with the idea of sort of a web-based mind map or or whatever, because then I could I could self-host that and work with that remotely and in, in, on mobile devices or whatever. I just but that, that will either have to be something that I develop myself, which I don't really have the time for, or hopefully somebody out there has the same idea and just hasn't released an open source version of it yet for themselves. That's that's my hope there. And then like I said, I'm constantly refining it, working on the compile to EPUB step of that is is using make files or, or you know, I could use any other sort of automation tool for that. It doesn't have to necessarily be make files. It could be something else, but make files are pretty ubiquitous and, and and work really well. If I, the only the only downside of that is if I wanted to be more cross-platform, maybe I'd want to try something else. But that again, those are refinements to a workflow that 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 for me is already working really well, and I really like working that way. So yeah, I think conveniently I'm I'm coming to the end of my commute. So how do you like to write? I'd like to know. Why don't you fill me in? In any case, it's time to get to work and there's the overview of the writing process i use and the tools that i use check out this uh this episode's show notes for links to the various tools that i use for writing and oh oh one thing i did forget to mention was a list of the plugins that i use for vim for making my writing experience a bit more pleasant i'll definitely need to add those to the show notes but 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 what about you what's your writing process Go ahead and share. Maybe maybe we can both get better and, and more effective at our writing together. The, the easiest way to do this, of course, is to make a comment on this show. It's episode 39 on opensourcecreative.org. Or you can track me down. I'm Jason Van Gumpster. I'm on your favorite social media site. Just look for Monster Java Guns. This podcast has an account, too. Just look for OSS Creative, And you'll find me there. And yes, I'm still active on Mastodon. I also have an email newsletter. It's a plain text light traffic thing that goes out about once a month where you can get an early in on knowing anything that I'm up to. You can subscribe to that on the sidebar of my site. Whew. Done talking now. Time for you to get to work. See you guys next week. the last job.